We are videoing a lot of uh, little clips now and moments, uh, especially from Sam and Kimberly's daughter, Ellery. Ellery is uh, almost one year old, and she's starting to, what, take that first step. Um, and we, you know, mom and dad, it's just fun to see our son as a father and get all excited about a couple of steps. But you should see grandma and grandpa. And we're excited about little steps like that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of cause for celebration when it comes to uh, baby's first birthday, you know, first birthday, right? Um, and a first real intended purposeful hug. That's awesome from a little, you know, from our little grandchildren. We love that. Um, you know, to see where they, you know, start walking regularly and then hopping and skipping and, and jumping and all that and dancing. It's like, yes, there's wonderful cause for celebration. Look, you know, there's a little one doing this. And God has given us instruction about how to celebrate the resurrection. And, you know, I, I realize in life, in, in our lives, there's some people that really know how to celebrate. I'm just saying on a general basis, you know, when something happens, they're like, you know, they can do the jig or sing or something, and they're celebrating. They're genuinely celebrating. And I want to put before us today, for you who say that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, that you understand more about what it means to celebrate the resurrection. Now, for you who are here and you're not professing faith in Christ, you do not yet believe, um, again, we're glad that you're here. And we hope that you will come to a point in your life sooner rather than later because we're not guaranteed tomorrow that you'll put your faith in the one and only. The one who said he would be mocked and scorned and he said he would be crucified and he said he would rise up the third day. He said that before it happened to him and then it went and it it happened. And so some 2,000 years now have passed and, and most all of us here would say, oh yeah, I believe, I believe. And we want to help you understand what true belief looks like. Because I can say, um, I, I know so-and-so back in Washington, D.C. I know our representative back in Washington, D.C., but I don't know him. So, right? You get it? And so we want to be people that teach the Bible so that there's genuine faith resulting in a genuine life that tracks along with that confession of faith. Okay? So, if you want, you can follow in your bulletin here about the resurrection celebration. Namely, your walk in newness of life. This is the way we celebrate his resurrection. We can gather together and sing and rejoice and say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. 
and say it about 10 times all morning and love it. But it goes beyond getting excited and be, and truly, genuinely being excited about Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. We can be excited, but it, it goes beyond that to your walk. That you are walking in newness of life. Not just saying, oh yeah, I got together on Sunday morning and sang the songs and it was great. It goes to your walk. Just like you want to see your children mature and grow in their life. God wants to see you as his child. If you have put faith in Christ alone, faith alone in Christ alone, that you'll be growing as a child of God and growing in faith So here's how Paul explains it. Your walk is attained only, number one, through justification. Now, we're kind of going off of our memory verse, okay? Our memory verse, Romans 6, 4. We want to understand that where it talks about that we might walk in newness of life, okay? And Paul takes detailed effort in Romans chapter 5 to explain how we come into a proper relationship with god look at romans chapter 5 if you don't have a bible there's one in the pew in front of you in that little shelf there grab it and turn to romans chapter 5 where it says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ okay so responding to what jesus came to do die Go to the cross, die and be buried and rise again. And responding to the gospel means to put faith alone in Christ alone. Not just a mental assent to what he did, but faith that changes your whole life. A way of belief. It's believing on him. It's putting all of your trust in him. And it sometimes gets complicated. What do you mean faith? Well, Brennan Mentioned it the other day, just uh, last week. Just put your weight on the chair. Put your trust, rely on the chair to hold you. That's, it's that simple. That kind of a faith. You don't um, say, well, I'm going to put my weight on the, on the lectern here and then put my weight over here on the chair. No, just do it all on the chair. Okay? That's what the chair was made for. Well, in faith, this, in, in eternities, picture this is what god sent jesus for that you and i would trust in him fully and completely for what he accomplished and he he, it was perfect i look at you know some of the work that i do or you you look at the work you do and we say oh that was a good effort nice try i did my best but it wasn't quite perfect jesus did it perfect and you don't have to add good works to it. You, you just have to, what? Put faith in what he already accomplished. Okay? So, it, it, justification. Justification is a judicial declaration from Almighty God that you're righteous. Did you deserve that? Have you earned it yet? Well, come on, what's, what are we waiting for? Come on, you've got to earn it, right? That's what we grow up learning. We got to earn something or earn our favor from God. No, because God knew we would all fall short of the glory of God. What's the glory of God here? It's his righteousness. There's nothing that shines brighter than God's glory. 
And you and I were built for that. We were created for that. To give God glory. And so through faith alone, in Christ alone, God declares you just and righteous because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. He declares he, he's the judge. And in his courtroom, nothing works. No excuse works except for when Jesus stands up and said, I paid the price for that guy. I shed my blood on his behalf. I died for him. I died for her. So God, he's the judge. And in justification, I'm judged by God to be finished with my, get this, I'm finished with my old relationship with my old man. The old man, Woody. I'm finished with that. Because God judged it to be so. Because now I'm, I'm declared righteous by God in faith. It's Christ's righteousness that is put to your account. The, the, the theology term is imputed. His righteousness is put to your account, imputed righteousness to you. And again, we stir it up thinking, oh, I got to add to it. I got to add to it. No, it's perfect. It's done. Okay. So my walk in Christ, in faith, is attained through justification. So by faith in Christ, God declared the guilty sinner as righteous based on what Christ did, his perfect sacrifice. Number two, my walk in Christ is developed through sanctification. Through sanctification. Look at Romans 6, 1 and 2. In this verse, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? That's the, that's the incredible thought that comes when we realize Christ did it all. And so the, the kind of like the natural response is, well, my goodness, uh, can I continue in sin then? You know, why not? He, he did it all. Just carry on. And, and no, he, he's saying this is the he he addresses this because this is the problem that started coming up in the minds of, of people. <laughs> Are we to continue in sin? Well, 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 yeah, because why? Why? Because grace will increase. That's why. Go ahead. Because God's grace will cover it. That's the incredible part of what? Of grace. But he says. You know, because of the question, no, no way, no way. May it never, never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So behind these two verses is the essence of the Christian life. This is why, this is the thinking behind why you keep going, why you keep going, say, I want to honor, honor Christ in my life for the true child of God. I want to keep honoring him. I don't want to, I want to stay away from sin. I don't want to abuse this grace. I want to absorb the grace of God in my life. I want it absorbed. I want to embrace it. I want to honor God. I want to value his grace, not to abuse it, not to cheapen his grace. And see, this is a problem in American Christianity, my friend. Many of us abuse the grace of God in our lives, in our practice, in our walk. Say, yeah, it doesn't matter. Eh, what's a little sin, right? See, and that, that snowballs in my mind and in your mind. And we got to say, no, no, no. 
Romans 6, 1 and 2. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Okay? And so, this is, this idea of sanctification is where a child of God whose faith in Christ has been separated from the world. Separated. And put, a, put apart for holy living. It's God's work to do in his children. His work of sanctifying his children. Causing them to learn and grow as to say, yeah, I, I need to stay away from that. That's a part of my old nature. So, genuine saving faith issues forth or demonstrates itself in walking with Jesus. And say, no, I don't want to sin anymore. I want to turn away from it. Okay? So, Philippians. Keep your finger in Romans and turn a couple of books over to your right to Philippians. And we're going to look at two verses here. Philippians 1.6, where it says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God's work was started in you at that point of, here's the justification of the believer. And now he's going to continue the work in you. Okay. Now look at Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. So that then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, Paul saying, as he was there uh, as a, an apostle, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, we're good at that, right? That's where I get to do my part now, right? But read the next verse. Look at the next verse. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know what? This is the part of faith that we sometimes don't get. Because faith is in someone that we do not see. We don't see God. But we read of him. And so we want to put faith in him. That's believing what he says is true. And so when I read the Bible... I want to then respond to the things that God's saying in light of this world that I live in so that I might be a shining light. I want to respond to the work he's already doing in my life. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You got that? It's already started by God. Now you, Christian, you respond in trust and obedience. That's your walk. That's how the walk is developed through this process called sanctification. If you're marking or taking notes, you can mark down 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Okay? So, two points there. Your walk is attained through justification by faith alone and Christ alone, and it's developed, number two, through sanctification. Number three, and what we've just seen here, it's demonstrated your walk in Christ, your walk of faith is demonstrated or illustrated through baptism. And this is where we've got to be clear. We want the young people that are baptized or anyone that's baptized to understand you're not saved through by, by being baptized. That's Fallon water. You know, it's not going to save you. It'll clean you outside. It's not going to clean you inside. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I put my faith in him. 
Okay. So, number three, look at, um, back at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4. He goes on to say, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Now, right away we think, oh, well, yeah, we just baptized. So uh, if I get baptized, that means I'm in Christ Jesus. No, we're thinking in the wrong way. He's using the term baptism in a different way than we're used to. Not, not water baptism. He's talking about being saved. That's the idea behind baptism. That you're put into the body of Christ. How do you get into the body of Christ? Pay enough at offering time. What? No, faith in Christ alone. That's how you're placed into the body. You might not have felt that when you put faith in Christ originally. You might not have felt that or sensed any angels singing around you. But it's through faith in Christ that you're placed into the body of Christ. And by doing that, Christ represents you at his death. You're represented there by Christ. So you're there in a sense like that. So as you read verse 3 and 4, we, let's read verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. Buried now is now, get this, listen, simple stuff. When we've died with Christ, the idea of him being buried is that it's final. In death, it's final when you see someone get buried. Okay? And this picture is with you and your sin. It's done. You say, but Woody, how come I still struggle with this sin? How come I still wrestle? How come I still sin and fall? Okay, we're going to get to that in just a little bit here. Paul's focus is on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, not on baptism. His focus is... On, on his death, burial, and resurrection. And he uses the term baptism to signify a union. Okay? Now, we just had it pictured up there for us. And what we say is that when I'm baptized, I'm simply giving an outward expression of what? An inward reality. It's already happened. It's already an inward reality that I've come to faith in Christ. So I picture that in water baptism by standing there in the water... I'm dead. Now going under, I'm buried. Now coming up again, I'm risen up. And just like Christ, I want to walk in newness of life in this way. So each phrase that you see in verse 3 and 4 is, can be, we could translate it this way. We could say, I'm baptized into union with Christ. I'm baptized into union with his death. Because that's, that's what really happened in God's sight. Christ's death was sufficient for you. When you put faith, when you put faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you, now it becomes efficient. Now it's, it's really made, it's like it's nailed down. It's done. So that's the idea. The, the symbolic significance behind water baptism is an ongoing practical reminder. These young people that were baptized, well, most likely they'll remember 
that they were baptized. And, and it was like saying, now publicly, I've kind of drawn the line. I've said, here I, here I am. I'm, I'm stating my faith in Christ now. So this is what helps us understand it's about union with Christ. Paul's use of baptism is simply as a, uh, a helpful illustration of something far greater, far deeper. I am associated with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, number four. Number four, it reflects the reality of his resurrection. What reflects the reality of his resurrection? My walk, your walk. It ought to reflect the reality of his resurrection. That's the goal of union with Christ, is that we would... Walk in newness of life. There it is. So, in verses 4 and 5, it says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's, there's the, the life of the Christian to be walking in that way. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm just talking about motivation and direction of your life. Which way are you going, brother, sister? What's your walk like? Okay. The idea is that he comes to this point, certainly. Yeah, he's just like saying, amen, amen, it's, it's, this is the way it is. Certainly, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, be in the likeness refers to, again, united with Christ in something like his death, but not really his death, but in something like his death. It refers to the qualities that characterize his death. Do you know that Christian living is a lot about dying? Let any, if you want to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross. What's implied there? Die to self. Take up your cross and follow me. By the way, I want to mention this real quickly here. This is important. You know, we, we talk about having prayed to receive Christ. Right? You know, most all of us have said, yeah, I I prayed to receive Christ. When did Jesus say anything like that? What did Jesus tell you? If you want to come after me, let him deny yourself, take up his cross and follow me. So a lot of times we talk about praying a prayer and that I'm not totally throwing that out. I'm just saying, a lot of times we forget about following Jesus, just following him in your life. Making that the priority, rather than saying, well, you know, 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, what is it now, you know, I I prayed to receive Christ. The idea is that we would, today, today's the day of salvation, today, walk with him, today, honor him, today, celebrate him. And you know what's neat? We get to do it every day. Every day is a resurrection day. It's not, oh, we got to wait till next, next year. Rats. Didn't celebrate enough. It's about your walk, Christian. And how are you? 
at walking. Okay? Turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. It's fun to, you know, read these kind of passages and see how, you know, it, it comes alive, you know, the story of Jesus here and what he does. Uh, Mark chapter 2, um, starting at verse 1, he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, and he, it was heard that he was at home. And many gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even the near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Wow. And that is cool. That is awesome. Verse 3, and they, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. They're serious. <laughs> we got to get him to Jesus. Let's move the roof. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the, the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Guess what? They got it. They got it in their bitterness. They got it. He's God. Only God can forgive sins. (laughs) Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit in verse 8, that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, and pick up your pallet and walk. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed. They were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This man got up, took up his pallet, and walked, okay? And sometimes what happens for you and I, we get up and start walking, and then we put the pallet down and get back on it again. What kind of resurrected life are you living? You believe? Then get up. Keep walking. Keep walking. In the strength, in the power of the Lord. Remember, it's his likeness, in his likeness, meaning death to sin and resurrected living in your life. So walk in newness of life. And that brings us to point number five. Point number five is that it reinforces his rule in my life. It reinforces his rule in my life. Back to Romans chapter six, verse six and seven, knowing this. Now, that word knowing, you might have the King James Version and it says reckoning. I reckon. We like that kind of language, you know, I reckon, you know, kind of, I reckon. Well, that's what he's doing. And this is an accounting term, not a farming term. <laughs> it's, it's an accounting term. I count it this way. I count it just like this. I count it as fact, as true, that my old self, My old man, that phrase refers to who we were apart from Christ. And when I was represented in Adam, old man Adam, all of us are sinners. Why? Because you were in Adam, represented by Adam. But now through faith in Christ, now we're represented in Christ. 
That's your position. And so he builds this up to say, now, I was crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, mark it down. Galatians 2.20. Now, in order that, we keep reading in verse 6 and 7, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Okay? So, his, his, having to walk in newness of life reinforces the rule of Christ in my life in order that our body of sin is disabled. That's the idea. Our body of sin is disabled. Can it still sin? Yeah, it can still sin. But it's disabled. It's made inoperative. Why? Because the reign of sin, look at it. He says, my body of, that my body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And what that's getting at is here's the reign or the dominion of sin over your life. That's what you were in. Adam, you had no choice. But now in Christ, you've been moved. You've been moved. <laughs> you've been rescued. You've been delivered. You've been saved. As a Christian, you've been saved. You've, you've been moved to the property of grace. You, you want to know the true grace land? It's not where Elvis was. The true Graceland is you walking with Christ. That's Graceland. The reign of sin has been dethroned. You, as a Christian, are no longer under its dominion. It's like this. One of the commentators uh, gave a story about now you're a new... You've been employed, you've been bought to work at a new field. And you're working at the new field. Now, you, you can look back across the road at the old field you were working for or working at and the old master you were working for, Satan, and look back over there and, you know, get to thinking how it was. And you're, you're going to sin when you do that. But looking at where you're at now, the field that you're at, the, the stance that you have, you're on God's land. You're, you're in grace now. So live that way. Serve that way. Worship that way. As the more I look back on that old boss, the more that I look back on that old property, it might seem real attractive, but I'm going to be more prone to sin and to stumble as I do that. My, where's my focus? Jesus said, anyone that puts his hand to the plow and what? Looks back. It's not fit for the kingdom. Put your hand to the plow. Christian, that's what you've done in putting faith in Christ. You've put your hand to the plow. Keep looking ahead. Keep walking in that direction. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. We were not saved. We were not brought into the family of God to look back at that property. We were saved to walk in newness of life. So remember, we wrap it up with this. Remember, it's walking not wallowing. Some Christians are wallowing in the mud and the muck of sin. You're walking, Christian. You're not wallowing. Walk. And it's in newness. It's not old foginess. Let's face it. A lot of Christians are just old fogies. There's no life. 
but yet they keep saying, oh, I'm a Christian because I, I, I put my faith in Jesus, you know, a long time ago. But see, Jesus didn't call you to wallow in your sin, nor did he call you to be an old fogey about spiritual things. He wants you to walk with him and trust him and celebrate him every day. We can do that. And so I ask, what's the, what's the pattern of your life? What is the pattern of your walk? What's the descriptive word used for your walk in this life? Isn't it great? If you're a believer, isn't it great to look forward to heaven? Great. Love it. You know, no more problems in heaven, right? Get to look forward to, you know, all sorts of things in heaven. Listen, again, I say to you, please listen to this. You're saved to show God's glory today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you're saved to put your faith in him, not just say, oh, I'm going to heaven at least. I'd, I'd be very weary, uh, uh, concerned. I'd be very concerned if that's how, if you're living and wallowing in sin and you're not walking in a, in a directive way towards Christ, that you'll even go to, if, if you'll even go to heaven. I want to challenge you in that way. Okay? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. This phrase, walking in newness of life, implies a regular kind of behavior. Okay? And the best way to celebrate the resurrection is to keep walking as a new creation a new creature in Christ. Would you please stand with me? Please stand in the closing of this service. I can't read your heart. I don't know where you stand with God. Even you who come here on a regular basis on a Sunday morning, I I can't read your heart. I don't know exactly where things, where you stand with God. But see, that's what we want to, we want to kind of shake the cage for, for us so that we would truly examine things in our own life. And really say, am, am, I, am I just a, you know, throwing out stuff that I've learned in my past and, and kind of being a nominal Christian? Or am I walking in newness of life in my, in my life? Don't be afraid. God has made his invitation open. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so Jesus has made his invitation clear. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for, quote, righteous people. It's for all. And so I want to close this service by reading this passage so that we might be encouraged to keep moving and not wallowing in life's problems, but keep walking, keep walking, and to encourage one another with this. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, resurrection, If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, 
not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, Christian. Praise God for that. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Here's how you walk. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your, you, your presence, and we thank you for the, the power of the resurrection in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help me and each person here who makes profession of faith to walk in newness of life today and to start all over again tomorrow, should you give us tomorrow. And Lord, I pray for those who question if they're saved. I pray that they would come to faith in Christ by reading your word by seeing the the truths of Jesus in the Gospel of John, in in the, the power of what's said in the book of Romans, that people would truly read to find that out for themselves. And that through your Spirit working through your Word, you would bring them the faith in Christ. Lord, there's such a joy, such a, a, a wondrous joy in celebrating the resurrection. Nothing like that has happened ever. And so help us to rejoice in it and help us to be identified with it as we live our lives, dying to sin and giving you praise. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We need to say it one more time. He is risen. risen And you are dismissed. God bless you.